listeners, this is Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com, and I am your host, Zach Gandra. With me as always, Steve, the inimitable Gandra. How are you, Steve? I'm inimitable. You're, you're inimitable? Inimitable. <laughs> hey, uh, we are getting going and on the show, but I want to remind all the listeners before we get there completely that we want to have a conversation with you. Send us an email at asktheexperts at excellentcultures.com. If you're a regular listener, you already know that this show is all about business, business leaders, running your business from any size, small, mid-market, and large, and we have a mission to help the good guys win. Anything to add to that, Steve? That's a good mission Well, statement. we've got a really good guy as a guest today. Yeah, An one of our team members. Yeah, We're pretty stoked about it. I'm a big fan of Dale, not just because he's from Texas. Which is unfortunate. <laughs> I, would, I would say being from Texas is fortunate these days. <laughs> That's because you're a right-wing Republican. Yeah, no. <laughs> I kind of figured I was more of a moderate myself. Yeah, well, why don't you... The it's guys new, on both sides scare the Yeah, you are that. not a moderate. Yeah. You are definitely not. I, you've told me that all your life, that you're labeled as an independent, but I don't think I've ever seen you vote Democrat in my lifetime. Well, I, you know, I like John F. Kennedy. <laughs> was he Democrat? Yeah. I don't even of remember. Of course he was. Oh, he, you he like was. him because he was Catholic. No, I liked him because he was a great leader. And he was ridiculously good this looking. This isn't a political show. <laughs> Let's talk about business. Okay, well, int- introduce everybody to Dale, and we'll get him on the line. Okay, so uh, I wanted really wanted Dale to be on the show for a while, but when you work together like we do, you get so busy doing other stuff and don't think about it. Dale probably has coached more executives and leaders, uh, near, you know, close to a 1,000 or more. Uh, leaders from every size of business, small, medium, Fortune 500, you name it, and um, is exceptional at coaching leaders from a culture perspective. I don't know if you've seen the news lately, but now we've got General Motors telling us that the reason for this huge debacle and all these recalls that didn't get recalled was because of a failure of their corporate culture. Well, if they would have had Dale coaching them a couple of years ago, the failure never would have happened because Dale is about as bright as there is at culture-based leadership and doing it in a way that not only do you get a high-performance culture, but the fruit of that high-performance culture is great results. That means cost savings, revenue increases, bottom line improvements, and shareholder value going way up. So Dale's joining us today from Plano, Texas. Dale? How are you, Dale? Welcome to the show. I am great. We don't have a clap track, but every once in a while, I like to throw the guests a, a, a clap, so we don't wow. have a clap track, unfortunately. That's but. good. Yeah, thanks for the great introduction, Steve. Yeah, Dale, um, tell us tell us a little bit about the work that you do. You know, not just on the culture side, but on the business strategy side. The work that you do and how you do it, and some of the clients that you work with, because our listeners are eager to learn all that they can on how they can improve the performance of their businesses. Okay, I'd be glad to. So essentially my role in the four-step process is to take organizations through changing how leaders lead. Uh, So that involves individual coaching. As you said, I've coached lots of folks. So we do that individual coaching. And within that, we've built aspects around the coaching that are team building. So we have what we call a more of less obsession, which really gets the team involved with the individual leader's goals. Uh, I've watched leaders dig into their information, so we use a scientific survey to kind of position 
the leader's gap. So here's where I want to be, here's where I am currently. But there's a lot to it, and it really helps when the team comes around the leader. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's, you know, if you got some more folks helping you and are bought into your desired improvement, much more li- likely to occur. So that happens at an individual level. Uh, it's interesting. There's a, there's a cadence to it. So some people go really fast. You know, some of the executives, they're just really sharp people, and they finish the sentence before you speak it. Uh, there's other folks who, boy, this information doesn't look like what I've heard before. It, it feels different because it's measuring my impact. Uh, you know, it's a person who's probably been successful in lots of things in life, starting at, you know, kind of academic ages for them, where they were always kind of the, the top of their group. And so now they're getting some impact feedback that says you might be missing the boat on a couple areas. And it's really helping those leaders find the gaps that they want to work on. It's not trying to boil the ocean, but it's find the few areas that you think give you the biggest bang for your buck that you could really say, man, this is going to move me in the right direction. Let me give you one example uh, that is, is pretty typical of, so I'll paint a picture for you. It's a sales VP. It's a, a pretty urgent, quick, quick person, uh, thinks quickly, acts quickly, and they'll get this assessment back, and it'll say avoidance. And they'll initially say, before they even look at the whole picture, they'll say, I'm not avoidant at all, Dale. Boy, this thing doesn't measure me at all because I, you know, take things right between the eyes. There's no grass that grows. And they'll kind of go on for a little bit, and I'll let them do that. And then I'll say, it doesn't, you know, when they get their piece set, I'll say, it doesn't say that you're avoidant. It says that you're causing avoidance on your team. Invariably, they'll say, oh, but nobody tells me that. And so I'll just stop for a second and let them catch up because then it'll be the, the real question is, okay, there's the gap. Mm-hmm. You're causing avoidance. Do you want to address it? Is it something you think serves your, you know, your business goals, your sales goals effectively, or is it something that's limiting? And obviously, it's, it's a limiting. So now that could be one of the things that we decide to work on, and that we decide to bring your team in a team building sense to help you address that. And just being transparent for a, that senior leader to say, "Hey, team, uh, I'm causing avoidance with you guys." Just them saying. Yeah, I'm causing avoidance, and it's on me, and I want to fix it. Goes a long way to move it towards the chance that they have to change it from avoidance to more of a collaborative environment where, where folks, if they got a problem on Monday, they they bring it up right away. They don't push it off till Friday and hope. But I hope over the weekend we get some worse news than mine, so you know mine will kind of go away. So, so Dale, kind of Dale leaders lead. yeah, what's with this uh, scientific survey stuff? I mean, why don't you, you know, don't coaches just, aren't they just guys and gals with really good intuition and they can sit down and talk to a leader and ask questions and then have some interviews with the leader's direct reports and, you know, because they're really smart people tell a leader what to do to improve? What's with all this scientific survey stuff? Well, I think... A lot of coaching does go into that intuitive world. What we try to do at Excellent Cultures is use the survey, which is essentially the voice of the leader themselves and also the folks on their team. So it's the voices of those people put together in a way that scientifically it paints a picture of, here's the impact, and I'll stress that word, impact, that you as a leader are having. 
and as the example I just used with the Boyden, is it the impact you want to have? You know, does it fit your desired goal? Uh, and so it changes that, let's say, coach-driven, you know, I'm going to use my intuition to, no, it's really the voices of the leader and the that team that did the survey for the leader. And my job, really, I try not to talk a lot. I try to listen and hopefully help help that leader self-discover what the report's saying. Because if I just go and say, hey, this is what the report says and list off five things, they may or may not buy it. I find much more effective communication to come when you kind of put it out there and if you were fishing, you got that bobber and you're going to watch it until it goes way down under the surface. You really want them to bite hold of that concept and then you just confirm it by saying, yeah, I think you're right. And so the example I used if avoidance is that big issue that you really don't want to have happen and it's keeping you from being as effective as you'd like to, let's dig into that. What does that look like? How do you think it's happening in, in your world? Not in kind of the, the academic world, but how does it look in your world? Give me an example of when you think that might have occurred. And is that common for your organization? Are you, know, are you just a leader that fits in line with everybody else and avoidance is, you know, that's kind of... That's what we all do. So, Dale, have you ever had a leader that, let's say, if we're talking about avoidance, that basically uh, refuses to listen? You know, I know your survey says that I'm causing my people to be avoidant, but that can't be the case because I'm just a great guy and we have wonderful communication around here. And my mantra has always been robust dialogue. Um, you know, I, I think you got I think you got the wrong MRI. Have you ever had that happen? Sure. What, uh, uh, it, how do you deal with it? It's one of those things you can't necessarily contradict, and you can say, you know, from my experience and coaching over those hundreds of leaders, this is a pretty accurate road roadmap. So why don't we go to this, and maybe we'll use that as a topic, and we'll bring that into that more blessed session, because that will really confirm if that's an issue. And if you're right, it'll do just the opposite. It'll say, no, that's not a problem at all. Hey, boss, that avoidance thing isn't what happens here at all. I mean, we don't see that at all. But generally, if you bring it up and you say, in a structured way, so you're not like cornering somebody in a corner, a more aggressive session is structured so that that leader puts the topics out there but then leaves the room so the true brainstorming can occur. So we, what I hear you saying anonymous brainstorming. is this, this avoidance is, is not what the leader thinks it's what the leaders people think and it's the people that are saying well boss your leadership is causing me to avoid conflict or avoid you or avoid doing my job so it's more what the people are saying than what the boss thinks is that what you're saying absolutely it's, it's what the people feel uh let me give you an example so i had a leader that you know avoidance was uh the issue that we started talking about and it was like, gee, I can't picture the leader telling me, I can't picture anything that I do that causes avoidance. So we went along, I gave him the challenge of, okay, we got some reading I want you to do, some journal writing, and then we're going to get ready for this more aggressive session so that we can dig into this avoidance and see if it's really an issue or if we can put it away. They called me maybe 30 days after our first coaching, and they were, they were like, Dale, do I have facial expression? And I was like, yeah, I think you do, but that, tell me why you're asking. And the, the point was, 
with you, we went through this more aggressive session. Everybody says I have facial expressions, so even though I'm asking around the table for, hey, give me your new idea, if someone gives an idea I don't like, my face tells it. Hmm. And they're all saying that my facial expression or my rolling of my eyes or my loud sighs are causing them to, I don't have an idea, boss. So, so me and go to the next guy. I think my wife has told me that before. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of molo sessions. Yeah. Um, we need to take a break. So, guys, keep up right where you're where you left off. Steve, you're going to start us off right after the commercial break. And uh, Dale, thank you. This is awesome. We'll be right back. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list, done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better, that politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, excellent cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if excellent cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now, or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back on Biz Culture Matters and ExcellentCultures.com with Dale Hintz, who is a leadership coach who has coached hundreds if not thousands of leaders in all sizes of businesses. And before the break, Dale was talking to us about how it's not what the leader says that causes performance to go up or down. It's what the leader's people think that the leader says. And he was giving us an example of one leader where the words were right, but the body language was wrong. Is that a good way to describe that, Dale? Absolutely. So, so what the message was pretty clear that the leader was judging every idea that, that was put forth pretty and, quickly. Too. And, and these people were saying, this leader's people were saying that because of his body language, not because of the words that he used. Correct. The words that were used were 
hey, we've got a, a situation. Let's go around the table and define a solution to that. So everybody, you know, let's do what we should do, which is collaborate around what could be a positive solution. But if someone gave an idea that didn't fit to the leader's idea, I mean, all conversations stopped. I mean, people are smart enough to know that, okay, if my leader's, you know, sighing or rolling their eyes, I probably should just be quiet and wait. The leader's asking for input, but if I just wait, I might have a great idea, but if I just wait, the leader will tell me what they want, and I can just do that. Even if I think I have a better idea, or if collectively it's that collective IQ, you know, if you get multiple people with, you know, multiple ideas, you can build upon it and craft a really great solution that addresses lots of different areas. Yeah. Uh, it, why don't I just wait? Because that leader is going to, they're going to tell me what they really want. They've asked me, but I know they really already have an idea, so why don't I just wait? Yeah. That's really interesting that you should say that, Dale, because in my 37 years of having the opportunity to work with leaders of all sizes of organizations, I think every leader culture came up in the conversation somewhere. And it meant different things to different people, but I don't think I've ever met a leader yet that thought they had a bad culture. Or if they did have a bad culture, maybe there was one or two that felt like they had a bad culture. They thought the culture was somebody else's fault and not their own. And it sounds like what you're telling me here is this uh, scientific MRI instrument that you're using much like a, a doctor uses an x-ray or an MRI to get to the root cause of what's really going on with the patient. It sounds like you're having experiences where your your instrument is telling these leaders not necessarily what they think is going on or what they want to hear. I mean, don't they get upset? Some will not enjoy the coaching session, but they'll see it as valuable. And so there's, there's a different metric there. And joy means, wow, I got straight A's. This is so cool. I can't wait to tell everybody. On the other side, gee, I didn't get straight A's. I can see some things that I need to work on. I understand my business well enough to know that if I work on those, that would help me and help our team really succeed. So w- uh, what percent of the leaders you coach get straight A's, as you put it? There's a bell curve to it. So it's that top, call it 10 to 12 percent at the top of the bell curve are just, they are outstanding leaders in a very constructive sense. So they think, so that these folks think they're good leaders and based upon the feedback in the instrument, their people think they're good leaders as well. Yep. Uh, so with these good leaders that believe they're good and actually are, what do you do with them? Just say thanks, you're great, see you later? No, it's actually really interesting, and I learned this early on. So in those first coachings I did, those type leaders are the ones that actually push me to say, tell me what I can do better. So they want to get better. And at first that was shocking because I would have thought that they would say, oh, wow, straight A's, I'm cool. But instead they say, Dale, you do a lot of this. Tell me specifically what you think I could do better, what would be beneficial to my team because you're also talking to them. They want something to work on. They're not interested in really just looking at a picture that looks good. They want to know what they can work on. And as you think through that, so think a little deeper, that's probably why they're that type of leader to begin with. Because it's not that they started that process of continuous improvement on the day I showed up. That's always been their mantra. And this is just another example of, hey, I'm going to work on this. And they're the folks who can inspire some of the other folks, not in a, hey, I want to show everybody I got straight A's, 
Now, I just want to tell folks that this is really cool and this is what I'm going to work on. Yeah, so, so actually, some of those folks I'll tell, you know, keep your report card a little bit to yourself because it'll intimidate some of the other folks. Yeah, they that's, understand that. They understand that's interesting. That. So, Dale, I'm going to ask you to walk walk our listeners through your process here in a second. But uh, I, I kind of get the idea. It sounds like, you know, the first step is to take this this MRI, this scientific instrument that measures, you know, what effect that the leader's leadership is having on their people. Uh, is this just the same as any other 360 review type of a situation? And if organizations already have 360 reviews, is this going to tell them something that their 360 reviews don't? Why, why are you so in love with this scientific instrument? I think the first reason is it just it measures the impact of a leader, and it, it puts it in a terminology that they readily understand, and it's consistent. So it's an individual leader can talk to the guy in the office next door, share ideas, and, and get moving along the same path to improvement. The other thing I like, and this is what I hear from leaders as I coach them, and some leaders I've coached have had, you know, three prior 360 reviews, and they'll say, well, that was just, you know, it just wasn't very good, Dale, so I'm not really looking forward to what you and I are going to do. But after we finish, they'll say, what I like about this is it, it has action steps. So it's not just, hey, let's look at the picture. It's like, let's look at the picture, but now let's determine some improvement steps we can make based on that picture, but spend a a minimal amount of time at the picture level and spend the maximum time on the action steps. And a lot of those action steps they'll take, not with me, but, you know, based on the direction and the excellent cultures four-step process. So they have a, a path to follow. They have some steps, and they like the fact that, okay, it just doesn't stay at a picture. It turns into action. So that's, that's a pretty big difference, and I consistently hear that from folks who have done other 360 review type processes. So they've done 360 reviews, but for some reason it sounds like your instrument gets to something deeper that they didn't see before. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it does make, it makes it more actionable and that terminology makes sense to people as they learn it. It takes a little bit to learn it. I'll give it that, but you know, we have a workshop and then we have the coaching. So by the time they finish the coaching, they're pretty well, uh, on their way to to take action from what they've learned. So what happens if somebody, you know, every organization of any size or scope has surveys now? You know, we've got engagement surveys and employee satisfaction surveys and all employee surveys and, you know, all kinds of surveys, you know, and, and best companies to work for surveys. So let's say a manager or leader takes a best companies or a Gallup engagement survey or a survey and the results come back and basically say that I'm the manager and I'm not a very good communicator. And uh, so if that's, if I was the leader and that's what my people said, the first thing I would want to do is probably go talk to my people about, you know, how can I, you know, how can I be a better communicator and what, what would they typically tell me, Dale? It depends on how they've worked with you in the past. If you're the kind of leader that you're consistently being transparent and say, hey, how can I work on this? They'll probably jump right into it. Most leaders, though, because of urgency, they're too busy or just kind of the nature, I'm the boss, I know better. That's probably a really different question. And so you might actually have to ask it a couple times because the first time the folks won't think you, you know, what's that coming from? I mean, I don't, 
and what's is this a trick question? Is this leading me down a, a path I don't want to go down? And uh, so it's the process. And again, I guess I'll say the structure that we have in place allows people to use the structure to take them through that process. So it's not that first time you ask the question. It's asking it enough so that people see your transparency and then make that shift to say, I really want to help this leader improve because I can see how it will help our team. Help me as an individual, play around this team, but help the team overall. So but that takes a little bit of time. So, so you're, you're, you're saying that if I get my all-employee survey back or my engagement survey or my best companies to work for survey – and it shows that in my department, uh, the manager is a poor communicator. And if my people are used to telling me what they think I want to hear because I have aggressive body language, as in the example you used earlier, uh, or the fear factor is alive and well, you mean uh, they might give me warm and fuzzy, squishy answers instead of real actionable things that I could do? Well, absolutely, because they'll all walk into it to say, oh, this, this data is wrong. Boss, this data is wrong. Everything's good. Uh, this is Lake Wobegon. Every child is above average. You know, they'll just it'll they'll find a way to to discount the information and kind of put it to the side to say, well, let's see what happens next year yeah. or two years if it's that cycle. Uh, and what they really need to do is have it, you know, gone through in a way that they can see it clearly and then take those steps towards changing and, and have that safe environment that we have, which is a more blessed session, so that it can be anonymous brainstorming. So, you know, the, some of the best ideas come from the person who might be the quietest. So not the person that's going to, in a meeting where the boss is at, is going to raise their hand and say, hey, I really know what the issue is. They're probably not going to be that person, but if you get them in an anonymous situation and you have a facilitator who can draw that out, then people can build on it. So, again, it's not one person's answer. It might start with one person, but other people build on to it but they're focused in a constructive way. So we start that session with, tell me the first five things, the top five things that the leader does really well. And you want to, so you want to get it flowing towards solutions, not just, hey, let's complain about some problems. You want them to say, well, what are the positive things? And then they'll kind of be in the mode of, let's have some positive solutions to these opportunities or challenges that the leaders brought to us. That's really good. I think one of the best parts of the tool sounds to me like the engagement of others and change within community. I think you hear a lot of executive coaches out there, they get an executive coach and the change is only happening within themselves and it doesn't engage the people around them that their change affects the most. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I have a lot of uh, friends who are executive coaches and they'll explain to me how they're working with an individual leader. Right. And it's, and then I, I'll, I'll say to them, does then it becomes that intuitive and it becomes more of a discussion between the coach and the executive. Mm -hmm. And so the, the coaching session becomes the most important, whereas our process, coaching session sets the table. But what's more important is what's going to happen once the meal is served and once we start, you know, divvying out who's going to work on what and how we as a team are going to get better. And then we, we also, just to kind of put a loop on this, is that probably about, six weeks after they finish their action plan. So after the leader says, hey, these are the things I'm going to improve on, and they've shared that with their boss, then we'll go back and resurvey so that the leader knows, hey, am I making progress Yeah. or not? Right. And, that's, and you lay that out and you say, that, again, this isn't just, hey, let's look at the picture and be done with it. It's like, no, we're going to look at it, but we're going to give you feedback if you're making progress. Yeah. 
which is which is beautiful because even in the stage when the coach is no longer involved as often, the relationships have already been built with the people that are there for the change to continue, which is awesome. We got to take a break. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com. Send us a question right now. Ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list, done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. Back at Biz Culture Matters and ExcellentCultures.com with Dale Hintz, a leadership mentor, coach at uh, Excellent Cultures on the Excellent Cultures team. And Dale was telling us that in his, you know, literally hundreds to thousands of leaders that he's coached, that, uh, gosh, folks will actually tell the confidential pull under the bridge of anonymity different things than they will walk into the boss's office and tell the boss, even though the boss has an open door policy. Is that what you're saying, Dale? Absolutely. Uh, I'll give you another example. So I had a coach who, uh, I had a coaching situation where uh, the feedback was that this leader wasn't open to feedback, kind of closed off the feedback. And the leader was pretty vehement when he saw that. He was like, Dale, I have an open-door policy. I'm open to everything. Open-door, closed mind. Yeah. Well, what happened, and it was, again, pretty simple, is that their, the way their office was set up, the back of that person faced the doorway, so people will actually get to the doorway, stick their head halfway in, 
see the leader frantically on a phone call or you know banging away on their laptop and just say, oh, never mind. So again, it wasn't what the leader wanted and had no real visibility until you have these anonymous information sharing opportunities where the leader can get that message that says, no, it's, it's a, you might have that open door, but man, it's a pretty closed environment once I walk in. Uh, now, those are just examples, you know, of pretty uh, dramatic changes that people can make pretty quickly. I mean, you can learn to have a poker face. You can learn how to do that. You can change the positioning of your office so that when someone comes to the door, you're, you know, you just wave them in or, you know, ask for five minutes or whatever is appropriate. Uh, I think what's interesting in all the coaching I've done, it's generally not big things that people will say. They won't, like, read off this strategic memo or plan that that's, the impression they get from their leader, it'll be small things, either positive or negative. So the positive can have just as much weight, but it's the small things that the leader did, whether it be their specific leader or their senior leadership team, that folks will recognize. I mean, that's what makes an impression on them. Uh, so when leaders look at it, and you said, Steve, you know, will a leader look at it and get mad? I often encourage them, hey, this is the situation. Don't get, don't get fixated on the picture and stuck. Let's focus on what you can do and focus on what you can do tomorrow. So let's find something tomorrow that you can do to either recognize some of the success you've had, uh, take the time to go out and, you know, call it out and distinguish that participant, that player on your team for making it happen. So you got to break it down into bite-sized pieces so that people don't get stuck, but they start moving. And once they get that momentum moving, it'll be like, wow, that wasn't that hard. You know, that I could do that. I could take you know, make something in my environment that causes more opportunities for that positive construction interaction to occur than I've done in the past. And in some ways, they'll say, man, doesn't everybody know how busy we are? Yeah, they know how busy you are, but it doesn't mean that they don't want your attention or that they don't, you know, I guess put it in the realm of kids. You know, we're all really busy, but kids need some attention. They need some structure, and bosses need to have that similar kind of time space that they create, quality time with their team, who am I developing on my team? And all of them need something different. It's very situational. They can't have a one-size-fits-all. It's got to be a listening person needs some of this attention. So the person who's been here needs that attention. Yeah, so I think I think we're starting to get this. That So your process, it sounds like it begins with this uh, science-based survey, kind of like a doctor uses an MRI or an X-ray, that cuts below the surface and tells the leader things that the leader probably doesn't know or maybe knows a bit but uh, now knows deeper or in some cases uh, totally astounds them and in some cases just reaffirms something that they already knew and believe. So uh, the leader gets this, you know, scientific survey, kind of like an X-ray or an MRI from their doctor. Then what happens, Dale? Well, then we go through and we start talking about the steps they'll take to improve, to go from that where they are today to where they want to be. So what's that gap? Uh, we send them back. There's some reading that we ask them to do, some reflective thought. Uh, so they can really dig into the root opportunity. I always tell folks, you know, the reading we'll give you is, is really good information, but the writing you'll do in the journal writing we ask you to do, that's great information. So do they just so meet with their team? Do they just meet with their team and go over uh, what you send them? Or, you know, how do they... You just send them a report on paper that they read. How does how does that part work? 
Well, they do get everything we talk about in a coaching session. We use a just a PowerPoint on a screen so that we can control the dialogue. Okay, so they get a coaching lots. session. They, so Absolutely. they get a coaching session next. Absolutely. I think if you just try to read through it, uh, it, it becomes a lot of information and almost too much information. The coaching session, my real goal is to prune away those things that, that aren't important so that they can focus on here the here the areas that, man, if I can improve here, it's, again, bang for the buck. If I can spend some effort improve here, my team and me will see much better results. So, so first they complete the survey with themselves and their people, and this scientific instrument measures them, and then they get this... Uh, lengthy report, kind of like a doctor might get from whoever it is that's doing their MRIs for them, then it sounds like what you're doing is you're sitting down and kind of cutting to the chase and saying, saying, well, this stuff's really good information, but the really important stuff is over here. Is that right? Absolutely. And again, I, I use guided self-discovery to get there. So I try not to be the first one to talk and say, hey, look at this. I try and guide them with questions or comments so they get to those critical areas and then they are the ones who say wow man i don't this is not what i want yeah what's this guided self-discovery stuff why don't you just say the data says that you're really lousy at communicating that's how you'd want it to be read to you (laughs) (laughs) well i mean a lot of leaders are that way i mean ceos especially they don't they don't like to dance around so they don't t- like to dance around, but if they're actually going to get some value out of the information, it has to be something that they have kind of brought in right. to their thought process, not something that I've kind of laid out. And even if I bolded it in all caps in a written, it's it's not going to get there unless they bring it in. And so I spend a lot of time getting them to bring in it, and the vast majority will will go to that. I mean, I've I've had the situation where the CEO has the executive assistant come in 20 minutes into our coaching session because I know they've done this so that if they want out, they can get out. You know, oh, Dale, something really big came up, and that's why she... No, she came in because you had her pre-programmed to come in in 20 minutes. But my experience has been that they like to go through the information and they have an appreciation. And so I haven't had anybody say, hey, this is over early. They've, they've done told their executive assistant, hey, you know, let that go. Let This is booked for two hours. Let's let me spend the time on it. So the coaching session, it sounds like, is about uh, cutting out all of the non-essential fodder, for lack of a better way to describe it, in the lengthy report and boiling it down to a handful of things that really matter. Is that correct? Absolutely. And then once you've got the things that really matter, it sounds like by your guided self-discovery methodology uh, in, with your style of, of coaching, it sounds like you spent a lot of time uh, asking questions that help the leader discover for themselves how that information fits within the framework of the goals that they want to achieve. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And if it, if they don't self-discover, they'll use examples from other folks I've coached, not by name, but by circumstance, where I can tell you, you know, this was an issue that a similar person had that maybe that's something you can look at. So if they don't get there very quick, and a lot of them do get there very quick, but if they don't, you just take extra steps to, again, have them self-discover. Uh, and I've actually had some where it didn't sink in that two hours, and so you know I'll set up a call with them and say, okay, why don't you read this over and let's talk 
and we'll set the time and uh, you know to move it ahead. So I don't I don't let people get stuck. I want to make sure kind of my checkbox on the coaching is that I feel that they're moving forward. And if I can check off that, yeah, I feel there's a pretty good uh, sense of momentum we've created through the survey, the report, the coaching, and they're moving towards action, then I think the job is, is accomplished. But if I don't feel I've checked that check mark, and again, it only happens a few times, I'll make sure I circle back so that I can check that off. So you said that word action again. Um so the leader boils down, or you work with the leader, and they boil everything down to two or three really important areas. Then what happens? Uh, they do that journal writing. They do the more of less of session where they're actually asking their team how I might improve on this. So I'll use your example of communication. Hey, I want to improve on communication. It doesn't seem like I'm doing that effectively. The question is essentially to the team, how could we better communicate? And they'll brainstorm some ideas. Uh, the leader takes all that information, what they've read about, what we've talked about in our coaching session, what they hear in the more or less of session, and they craft an action plan that has those maybe four to five areas listed, and they'll boil it down to these are the things I'm going to do, and then they'll use that affirmative reminder to lock it into place. Okay, so, so they'll work on some real change tools to make it happen. So I want to make sure that I, I'm understanding clearly, Dale, because... You've got a unique process here that seems to be exceptionally working exceptionally well based on the feedback that we get from the leaders who you coach. So, Except that we need to go to the final break. Another break? Yep, it's our last one. So it, this is our, our deal catcher. They're going to want to come back and hear where you guys are going with this. Are you with me? There you go. Uh, you're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. Don't want to miss the last segment. Get to excellentcultures.com slash is culture MRI right now and take a look at how your culture is doing. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list, done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better, that politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say, rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome, because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate, bottom-line tactics. They don't treat symptoms. They go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, 
takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back once again on Biz Culture Matters and ExcellentCultures.com with Dale Hintz. Coach extraordinaire, inimitable coach extraordinaire, leadership enhancer. <laughs> Before we broke, uh, Zach just mentioned that you can go to excellentcultures.com slash bizculturemri and essentially try this on for yourself. Uh, we've got a, a precursory preliminary version of an assessment that you can do online on a complimentary basis and answer the questions that, you know, it's the executive short version for in seven minutes that will give you the beginnings of some really great indicators on how you can improve your leadership and your team. So it's excellentcultures.com slash biz, B-I-Z, biz, culture, M-R-I. So before the break, Dale, uh, you know, you're laying out your process for us, which is you know, take the in-depth instrument that uh, reveals, you know, the great information, then meet with your coach, which in your case, um, you know, is is you, and you help the leader identify the two or three really important things, which to me is extremely valuable just in and of itself, but then uh, take those two or three really important things, and what I hear you saying is then they go back to their team and, you know, the team has gives them further feedback on how to improve these two or three areas. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. The team, uh, so it's called a mo- more of less session, but a lot of people will start to call it a MOLO. And when you talk to organizations, let's say, six months after we've started working with them and done that coaching, you know, folks will say, man, that MOLO thing, that really helps us. And, and so... It really becomes the focal point of when the leader's working on them, their own, so it's a confidential coaching with me. But then when they get into that more or less obsession, now they get their team there to help them. And even if that team doesn't come up with great ideas in that session, you set the stage for, oh, gee, I was driving home, boss, and I, I thought, it, you know, you talked about communication, and I thought about a place I used to work, and here's an idea, maybe we could make that happen. You mean the, the, the boss asked the team to coach them on how to be a better leader? Well, that's what happens. They don't actually come out there and say it in those terms. But what happens is the boss is sharing their, in a transparent manner, sharing their shortcomings, and, and they've identified them. These are areas I want to improve on, and I really want your help. And you know, I've had some leaders come back and say, you know, we had this one topic and we struggle, and I'll tell them, you know, it's okay that you struggle. Because the key was you ask the question, and their creative subconscious will come up with some ideas. If there's a struggle, when's your next staff meeting? Make sure you take 10 minutes out of that staff meeting to come back and visit those things you struggle at. Because the team and you are the ones who have the solution. And so if you're struggling with it, it means, one, there's a problem, and people see that as a problem. They're not discounting it. And then you need to find a solution, because if you don't find the real solution to the right problem, it's hard to make real progress. And so, you know, 
it, it goes in lots of different ways. You know, sometimes the leader comes out of the more or less obsession and says, you know, five of the ideas they gave me I already had. Great. It means you're on track. Now, hopefully you've engaged them in your process. So, so, Dale, how do you get the team, you know, to not just tell this leader a whole bunch more of the warm and fuzzy, oh, we love you, you're a great boss, but we give you bad scores on the confidential survey when we can do it safe without fear of repercussion. I mean, how, how do you get get people to actually coach their bosses when, you know, they're used to ducking and hiding and, and being politically correct and smiling and saying nice things instead of valuable things that will cause positive change? Well, we train a group of facilitators, so people from that organization that will facilitate the more or less obsession. And so the training of the facilitators is to say, you're going to have a session. It may go in the, in the perfect right direction, or it may bog down, as you just described, where people are a little reticent to, to share. And it's your job as a facilitator to dig that out. Because, you know, not just let the time go by, but if we're really not, you know, being honest, how do we get to those honest comments but then also, how do we craft it in a way that sounds like a solution, not just pointing out the problem? I mean, bosses don't need, like, more problems. What they need are more solutions. And if you're really good as a boss and a facilitator, if this whole thing works really well, you've got the team bought into what that solution is. And so let's say, again, we've been talking about communication. And they say, we need more of this. And the boss says, you know, I travel, and that's why we, you know, we can't do it. And the team says, well, boss, if you could tell us the outline of that meeting, we'll, we'll kind of rotate the leadership or the, you know, the logistic leadership of the meeting so when you're not here, we'll be able to do it. While you just were able to transfer ownership of communication from the boss to the team. So does the facilitator actually do their facilitating and gathering of input while the boss is right there listening? Um, or how, yeah. do, how do they get people to really feel safe uh, you know, sharing what they really think and how they really feel? You know, the boss leads. The boss provides the agenda and the topics that they want this brainstorming session to deal with, and then the boss leads. So the boss comes in and says, hey, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I've got some topics that I want you guys to talk about. Please share your candid input. The boss leads, and then the facilitator takes them through that confidential information. And oftentimes, that facilitator might start the conversation when the boss comes back into the room. So the boss leads for, let's say, 45 minutes comes back into the room, and now we're going to share, you know, what we brainstormed, and here's what we have on our flip chart. Uh, but the facilitator, what facilitators will tell me is that we start the conversation to say, okay, here's number one, but if the boss has any questions about explain that more, all of a sudden you've got this energy in the room that the person who had that idea kind of leapfrogs the facilitator because it's like, well, no, that's my idea. Let me share. And so it's not as much... Sharing that one idea is important, but what's truly important is you've now made it kind of the acceptable practice for that person to share with their leader chances for the leader to improve. So, so you know, you're creating that environment that's maybe less politically correct, but more practically effective. So it kind of sounds like uh, if you're the boss, what you're doing is you're getting your people to coach you on how you can do a better job of leading them in a manner that would cause them to be more effective as opposed to just putting up with you and dealing with your idiosyncrasies, idiosyncrasies forever and griping about them at the water cooler instead of in, in a forum where it can be productive and effective. Is that right? 
Exactly, and you've given them in this session permission to correct you as you go forward. So let's say you go forward and you said communication and then you don't do as well as a boss as you'd like to because you fall into some bad habits. Uh, you've given the folks permission to say, you know, boss, I don't think that's exactly what we had in mind. You remember when we talked about Because we all need adjustment. It's one thing to set a goal. It's another thing to adjust as you would try and attain that goal. Because if you don't adjust, you miss it by a whole heck of a lot. So uh, uh, what do you do with the bosses who just want to defend their their bad leadership styles and keep doing what they've always done? You know, that happens sometimes, but it's definitely not the majority. Uh, so we're looking in an organization for a critical mass, and so we need to get a bunch of folks on board, and those that don't get on board will all suddenly start to feel like, man, this, this, thing, this place is changing. I don't feel like I, I'm not as relevant as I used to be. Well, the new Gallup poll said that 18% hated their jobs, and the most common reason for hating their jobs was they hated their boss. So, Dale, it's got to be happening a lot more often than, than not, where you have this you know, stubborn, opinionated, egotistical boss who thinks they know it all, doesn't want to improve, and is just going through the motions. I mean, um, you know, how do you, how, how do you redirect the situation where the boss is not just going through the motions and no positive change is happening? Well, again, I said after that action plan, we'll have another survey. So it'll become pretty obvious if the person is on board or not. Oh, so there's a, sur- there's a survey on the survey? Yeah, a survey on the activities around the survey. So hey, you got some information. You said you were going to make some changes. Hey, let's jump on the scale and see where we are. See how this, uh, this is working for us. And if it's not a good feedback, it's just another kind of motivation. And, and I'd say, you know, I like that Gallup information because it obviously talks about the need. There's an abundant need of organizations for it. But I think the key is to focus on the 14% that are engaged and how can you grow that percent. You know, 14% of the folks are the ones that are coming with the new ideas, that yielding new business, that are, you know, collaborating and innovating. How do we build that up? How do we get bosses that create an environment so it's not 14%, it's 24%, you know, and then it's 34%? Or how do we move that needle? Uh, and there's more, it's a momentum thing. There's, you know, organizations see things happen. And I've had some organizations where one boss will come up with one idea, and it's funny, it just relates to that communication we've talked about. It was, it was huddle. And they, you know, all of a sudden it's like the huddles was what all the bosses thought they should do because yeah. they've seen the success of a few who had implemented it, and then it became, well, let's not just do it on these couple areas. Let's do it across the plant floor because it worked. And so... Some of it is connecting the dots between senior leaders and managers who are making positive strides to say, okay, what's working for you? And that second survey helps that. What's working for you? And how do we do more of what's working and less of what's not working? So they've got the second survey, and they can now, you know, if they're a good boss, then they'll be paying attention and listening and improving. Uh, How do you keep them, you know, we're all human beings and we all have a tendency to just slide back into our old bad habits after a while. How do you keep them from going backwards? How do you make this sustainable? Uh, I think one of the keys is we've we've empowered their organization, so it hasn't been us all the time. So it hasn't been, oh, when Dale shows up, we'll do stuff. No, it's, it's set up in a way that you're doing stuff every day. And Dale shows back up 
at certain points, but it's, he's not here every day. And so we need to, to move along, and we've created that environment where we have dialogue, where I'm giving people permission to say, man, that doesn't fit with what I thought we said we wanted to do. When it really gets good, they're using the terminology that we've provided them, so it's, it's pretty distinct where people can say, oh, yeah, that's right. That was that one gap we really wanted to fix. And, yeah, you're right, this, this action that we're taking doesn't fit. Okay, let's take a step back. Let's not just keep plowing ahead down the wrong road. Let's take a step back, reassess, reflect, and say, okay, what's the right or what's the more effective route to get where we want to go? Let's just not keep doing what we've always done because it's not getting us where we want to go. Let's take a step back. It's a challenge, though, so I'm not going to make it sound like it's easy to sustain. It's a challenge. Uh, You know, when do you quit changing the oil on your car? After the first 3,000 or... You know, it's something you need to, to constantly keep on a team's radar screen. And I think one of the effective ways is just have the expectation out there that, hey, we're going to have an expectation that we're going to work on something downstream and, you know, have a calendar that you can share with folks. Because one of the things I think all organizations face is there's been a flavor of the month syndrome where someone comes in and they've got a flavor of the month and they run it for a while and they actually don't even finish it and they stop. And then a different flavor gets going, and then they stop. And so there's an expectation that, well, this is just going to stop. And so you have to fight through that. Uh, You can tell folks, no, this isn't a flavor of the month, but that's not going to get it. You have to prove it, and you have to make it, you know, go on so that they get past that normal flavor break. And they're like, wow, I guess we are going to stay on this. And I guess, you know, it's continuous improvement. It's not, hey, we're done. Right. We did it once we're done. It's. I've gotten better. And as I said, those great leaders are the ones who actually push me the hardest. On, they'll tell me what I need to do. Tell me what you've heard. Tell me what I can accomplish that'll move me to you know levels I haven't been at. We're out of time today, Dale. Thank you so much. This was huge. We need to do this again. I felt like uh, there's a lot of coaching questions that could be asked of every leader just by listening to this show. And then uh, inevitably you're going to want to talk to Dale. So you can email him at uh, DaleH at ExcellentCultures.com. Also, right now, get online. Go to ExcellentCultures.com slash BizCultureMRI and assess your culture now. We'll be back next week. Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM.